Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Folks, thank you very, very much for listening. The date today is the 29th of June. The year is 2020, and I have just uh, arrived back home in Chicago after a brief, uh, like, what, three-day trip, uh, a little vacation home in Michigan, seeing the family, being around a bunch of people who aren't wearing masks in public, and it was infuriating. Being in Meyer was cool again. Even though they have, like, some Myers, Myers in Illinois, it's, like, it's just not really a thing. So being back in Meyer was cool. I think most people that listen to this live in Michigan, so you guys know what Meyer is. And it was awesome. Um, not, not a lot of masks, though. Um, I also definitely appreciate the youth of Chicago a lot more. It's not just a bunch of, like, Karens and boomers running around. I don't know. So anyways, um, sometimes with these episodes, what I do is I hit record. And then I just kind of go without any sort of script or like, here's what I'm going to talk about. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes I do. And right now, since nothing's been recorded in a considerably long time, I was like, let's get on the mic and let's do something. So that's what's happening today for the next like 10, 15 minutes, however long this episode ends up being. Uh, we're just gonna, we'll, fi- <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go. I don't really have any, like, source material to, to work with, except for this first thing, and it's, it's something that I wrote about, uh, today, and I'm not gonna claim that it was, like, an original thought, because I, it might not have been, but it came to me, and I hadn't seen anybody else make the point, and maybe they have in, in previous days, and I just haven't been on Twitter, so I haven't seen it. So, February 6th rolls around, and the Detroit Pistons obviously decide to trade Andre Drummond. Ed Stefanski and Malik Rose finally convinced Tom Gores that this is what we have to do. We have to embrace the inevitable, which is a rebuild. The trade package ends up being essentially just a salary dump uh, in order to... Okay, Andre can't get his... I feel like I don't need to explain this because everybody knows what happened, but if for some reason there's people who don't know, Andre now can't opt into his $28.7 million with Detroit, which he's going to do it with the Cavs, and it's like, good for you. You probably should do that, given the climate and the fact that otherwise you still wouldn't have gotten, like, you probably would have gotten, like, half of that. Um, so I'm not mad at you, big fella. Get your money. But I'm glad it's not with Detroit. Doing that, making that move, what it did was it kind of turned Detroit into this, relative to what they would have been, attractive landing destination for a potential general manager. Enter Troy Weaver. The reason it makes them a little bit more attractive is because there's a lot more money to play around with. And albeit a pretty underwhelming free agency pool this summer, well, this fall, um, it's still, you know, that flexibility is, it's really attractive, right? But then you kind of think to yourself, like, well, as it was alluded to in the inductory press conference for Troy Weaver, if the plan all along was to hire a GM this summer, like, should that not have been... Something that, like, the... I don't want to keep saying the GM because it's Troy Weaver, but let's just say it's Troy Weaver the whole time because it is. Isn't that something that, ideally, Troy Weaver would have to knock out himself as, like, a pretty first major step as, like, how is his tenure going to go? Do you know what I mean? Like, here's a really big first task for you. Like, navigate this Andre Drummond situation. And I think it it would... Also then, it when he inevitably opts in, it's like... I don't think that you would have gotten anything a lot better than what you did with the Cavs, but maybe like marginally better where it's not just salary relief and like maybe there's a pick involved that you can actually potentially put a name to. Um, You know, the market was never going to be substantial for him, but I just feel like 
that would have helped. Um, but but then you think to yourself, well, if they waited, then Troy Weaver, they like they wouldn't have gotten the guy that they wanted. They wouldn't have gotten Troy Weaver. They would have gotten some, you know, someone like the fifth or sixth on their list, if that makes sense. Because Troy Weaver was like the cream of the crop, number one choice. Because Ed Stefanski did what he did, like the way that it worked out, butterfly effect, great. I'm not particularly all that mad about it. Um, I hope that makes sense. It's just like this weird, never-ending, like causality loop. I almost said paradox. It's not really a paradox, but it's like this never-ending set of circumstances that, if you think about it this way, well, then this could have happened. But if you think about it that way, then this could have happened. It's it really confuses me. And writing about it was really difficult because I kept throwing myself off and being like, "Wait, does this make does this connect to that?" And like, does this make sense? I don't know. It was a. I was. In, I, I hope that makes sense because it makes sense to me. And I, I guess I don't really know why that kind of made me think about this, but it I did, so let's just go right into it. Okay, as a Michigan State fan, Amani Bates, I mean, come on. This is like, this is the Super Bowl. And I think it's hilarious that Michigan State reportedly had no idea that this was about to happen, that he was about to commit until rumors started surfacing this morning. And they're like, oh my gosh, is this actually true? And then Amani Bates was like, yeah, actually it is. I remember I wrote a story like six months ago, if that, or somebody did. Who was it? Oh, we had two different stories that went up on Piston Power. That's right. I don't recall. It's either Blake, Ryan, or Sean. I don't remember. If it was you that wrote the story, I'm sorry. But it was basically like, hey, Imani Bates is the next LeBron. And they wrote about it. And no, it's not an original thing. But he wrote about it for the Pistons. And then I went out of my – I wrote like a separate piece – could the Pistons ever conceivably land him? Here's the thing. Excuse me. I also remember I read it like two days after I wrote it and published it and realized that I had written that he was going to get drafted in 2021, I think. And that's not – he's going to be drafted in 2022. Unless he like reclassifies or something. I don't really know how that works. But I don't think he's able to do – the whole re- reclassification thing really confuses me. So for all intents and purposes, when Imani Bates enters the NBA draft in what is probably going to be 2022, but maybe 2023, it's like, okay, he's going to go number one as it stands, but are the Pistons really going to be in a position where that's going to be able to happen? Because if you're able to navigate this rebuild in the way that you hope that you can, um, in three years, two seasons, three seasons, I'd like to think that the Pistons aren't going to still be in that great of contention for the first overall pick and it's like okay well nick what is your time frame for the rebuild then exactly i don't really know that's a great point it's a great question because realistically two three years for a rebuild like if you start a rebuild today in two or three years you are by no means going to be uh, in contention for anything meaningful at all unless it's the number one overall pick but I would just like to think that maybe we'll have developed our talent enough, like assuming Luke gets extended, assuming Bruce is still with the team, assuming player X, whoever gets drafted this season, actually impacts the team in a positive way, and Seku gets better, and whatever other pieces we can get. Like, I'd like to think that we're at least maybe a little bit better than where we are now, right? So unless you have a Pelicans of last season situation where you win 33 games and you get the number one overall pick i just don't really think it's gonna happen and i feel like even if i don't know with the way that the lottery is structured now i guess it kind of opens the door for the aforementioned possibility like the pelicans had but i just 
if he you know, obviously if he came to Detroit, shut everything down, we're winning the finals that season. But until something actually positive happens to a Detroit sports team in the draft or a lottery, looking at the NHL and the Red Wings, I, we have no reason to be excited. And for like we should probably go into this upcoming draft assuming that the Pistons are going to pick at like sixth or seventh, right? I mean, first of all, never in their franchise history have they ever moved up in the lottery, ever. Not once. So it's like, well, it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, but does it really feel like it's going to happen now? And if we're going to have that magic, I would prefer that it was in like two or three years when Imani Bates is in the draft and not when it's like, like I'm not going to slander LaMelo, but there is very clearly a better player between the two. So I don't know. And then you even talk about this year's draft, and it's like, yeah, uh, LaMelo is probably unquestionably, like, the top prize. And it's not even, like, a amazing top prize. It's like, a, oh, yeah, okay, that's awesome. I'm, how can I be mad about that? But it's not like a Zion where it's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to sell so many shirts. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think many people are going to want, like, a LaMelo Pistons shirt or jersey like they would if he was with like the Knicks or the Warriors even you know what I mean so then you look at like okay it could be killing Hayes and my thing is I'm still stuck on Tyrese Halliburton for everybody in Pistons Twitter it's always killing Hayes and it's always LaMelo Ball I'm still sold 100% on Halliburton and it's like if you do fall to that like five to eight range Obviously, with this year's draft, everything is so contingent on order of the teams. Like, Lamelo, Lamelo's going to go, like, top three regardless. But a guy like James Wiseman, I mean, if, if if Team X falls to a certain point, like, he could go anywhere. You know what I mean? A guy like even RJ Hampton, I feel like RJ Hampton's going to go, like, mid lottery. But you, you get what I'm saying, like Obi Toppin all over the place. It just depends on what teams pick where. And I feel like in previous years, this is, I guess, if it doesn't make sense to you what I'm saying, this is the example here. In previous years, you look at a draft, you're like, Zion is one, RJ is three, I'm sorry, Ja is two, RJ is three. No matter what, no matter who is picking where, that is what is going to happen. You always have like some sense, some gauge of like maybe like two and three interchangeable, interchangeable. But like you always have that gauge, right? This year, I mean, anybody could literally go anywhere. I've seen mocks that have Killian, recent ones that have Killian Hayes at like twelve, and others have him at like two. So, you, I mean, that also speaks towards the credibility of scouts and people writing these pieces, I guess. But if it becomes this hive consensus thing then it becomes reality because that's how media works. Like if like I just to get back on track, if the Pistons do go between five and eight, I'm pretty sure Halliburton's probably going to be there. This like indefensible jump shot, a guy who isn't an amazing defender, but is pretty pesky and is better defensively than LaMelo, which is, I guess, not saying a lot. But I'm also not the draft guy. I'm just a guy who has an Internet connection. So I, you know, don't really listen to me about anything ever. Tyrese Halliburton to me is what what is he like six six? If you're over six five and you're a point guard, shut everything down. I'm all in on you. So it's like Nick, you should probably be all in on Lamelo. I am. I'm not gonna be mad about that. 
I can't imagine anybody really would be. And if you're still at this point with LaMelo, where you're like, well, I don't want him here because his dad is going to... Shut up. Shut up. I'm, I'm, those, those people, A, don't listen to anything that anybody says ever. And B, they don't read my stories, which pisses me off because I already covered this. We have already covered this. LeVar has already been like, nah, I don't, I'm not going to do that. And Ed Stefanski himself was like, yeah, his dad is not going to be a factor. Excuse me. Now, to be fair, I guess to those people, maybe I should backtrack a little bit. LeVar is like trying to speak into existence LaMelo to the Knicks, which is why I talked about would, if hypothetically the Pistons drafted LaMelo, would he stay past his rookie contract? What would that scenario have to look like where he's like, oh yeah, okay, this is pretty cool. Because ultimately, he's probably going to have a better chance winning a championship somewhere else. But if he wants to prioritize making a bunch of money as he enters his prime and then going to a different team or something and then riding it out in Detroit, maybe if they become contenders, he'll stay. But, like, probably not. How many years away is Detroit from contending? Uh, right now, 10, 15? I don't know. Stupid question to ask myself. You know, it just kind of popped into my head. This is so random. How many players could I name that begin with a P? Uh, obviously, Paul George, PJ Tucker. Um, anyways, eh, <laughs> I, never mind. All right, folks, if you made it this far. Thank you very, very much for listening. Totally improvised episode. I hope it was like semi-entertaining, hopefully like a 6 out of 10 entertainment level. Uh, tomorrow, I will be having, fingers crossed, because you can't rely on me for anything. The plan is to have James Edwards uh, from The Athletic on for his second appearance on Shoot the J. Um, and I, for some reason, whenever I do interviews, I always have like a list of like 40 questions in front of me that I came up with. Tomorrow with James, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm just going to start recording, and I'm just going to see where we go with it. Now, a little bit of a warning. You're probably going to hear me say a lot of the things that I'm saying here just because I want somebody's perspective on it who actually knows more than I do. Um, so if you made it this far, folks, thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, what, what do you do on Apple Podcasts? Subs uh, rate, download, subscribe, whatever it is. Please do that. Leave. Oh, uh, yeah, I like the reviews. I like reading the reviews. Five stars. Alrighty, folks. I will catch you guys in the next one.